Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Strange Matters podcast. Here at Strange Matters, we discuss everything that is mysterious, bizarre, and unexplained. I am Sean, and I will be the host for this discussion. This is the follow-up episode in this series covering the Mysterious Montauk Project. In this part two of the Montauk Project series, we will be discussing the amazing and wild experiments that took place in the project's main base of operation at Camp Hero. Also, the history of the project and whole will be covered, as well as how it connects to the Philadelphia experiment, which was discussed in part one. Now, for as bizarre and outlandish as the events that happened during the Philadelphia experiment were, they are just the tip of the iceberg with all the amazing and fantastic events that took place during the Montauk project. Before we get started, I'd like to remind listeners that Strange Matters Podcast is made possible by our generous supporters on Patreon. Through Patreon, listeners can help improve and expand the podcast by pledging a small monthly donation, and in exchange, you can help determine what topics we cover, as well as gain access to monthly exclusive bonus episodes. For anyone interested in helping Strange Matters, please visit our page at patreon.com slash strangematters. For this episode, I would especially like to thank our newest patron of the show, Ava. For a quick summary, the Montauk Project was an alleged series of top-secret experiments and operations performed by the United States military. Some of these radical projects include experimenting with mind control, psychological warfare, teleportation, time travel, and even contact with extraterrestrial beings. The work of the Montauk Project was inspired by the previous success in the Philadelphia Experiment, which took place in the middle of World War II in 1943. As covered in the previous episode in the series, during the Philadelphia Experiment, which was part of Project Rainbow, a United States destroyer known as the Eldridge was fitted with secret new technology to render it invisible. What actually happened was the ship supposedly teleported hundreds of miles away to Virginia, before once again instantly traveling back to the Philadelphia Naval Yard. The experiment was not without its side effects, as many crew on board had psychological conditions Others were mutilated or seemingly fused to the ship itself, while others simply vanished somewhere in time and space, never to be seen again. However, further along in this episode, we will see that it's not just the idea and execution of the Philadelphia experiment that led to the Montauk Project, but due to the time manipulation caused by the teleportation of the Eldridge, the two projects would actually become directly linked years later. Rumors of the Montauk Project have been spreading as early as the 1980s. The popularity of the Montauk Project seemed to originate when a man named Preston Nichols came out stating his involvement with the project. Nichols would write about his time working in the secret experiments in a series of books, starting with the Montauk Project Experiments in Time. There have been numerous other authors and alleged associates who have claimed they either took part in the project directly or were forced to take part in the experiments against their will. Though the Montauk Project has greatly been labeled as a hoax, or just works of fictions by most people, there are still others who believe that there is a truth to the incredible claims about what really happened at Montauk. So for this episode, I will be covering the history of the Montauk Project, and a number of the secret experiments supposedly performed under its banner, and whether there is any legitimacy to the project at all. The Montauk Project is believed to have been an extension or continuation of Project Rainbow, under which the infamous Philadelphia experiment took place in 1943. Though that project was shut down, and nearly everyone involved, or at least those who survived, were brainwashed into forgetting the whole thing. 
However, several key members of the project, namely the top researchers and scientists, lived on with their memories intact. Around a decade later, several of these top men who worked on the experiments that caused the Eldridge to both disappear and teleport, again began to think of the amazing works that they could perform if they could continue on with their works. It was obvious to them, and several high-ranking members of the military, that there were many useful military applications in the fields of time and space manipulation that was pulled off at Philadelphia. The military was especially interested in what kinds of psychological effects were caused by such powerful electromagnetic fields like the ones used on the Eldridge. The researchers presented a proposal, which included what they wanted to achieve in a new set of experiments, and showed it to the U.S. Congress. However, the politicians immediately rejected the idea under the notion that it was not possible and any such experiments would most likely waste a great deal of resources, including money, time, and human lives. Not to be rejected, the group of scientists shifted their focus and turned to the United States Department of Defense directly. Unlike the congressmen, the members of this department were quite interested in the researchers' claims that they could build a weapon so powerful that it could instantly drive any enemy combatants completely insane. Going further, these new techniques could bring on hallucinations, manic episodes, and dangerous symptoms of schizophrenia from a distance, without having to put any American troops in harm's way. The idea was green-lighted, and the researchers began to organize into yet another top-secret new military program, which would later be known as the Montauk Project. Initial work began at the Brookhaven National Laboratory, located on Long Island. The early stages of these new endeavors went under the name the Phoenix Project. Very quickly on, the staff found that their base of operations was limited and inadequate. The major concern was that in order to properly test the theories behind the experiments, an extremely large radar dish would be needed. Believing that construction of such a thing at Brookhaven would bring too much public attention and risk security breaches of the secret program, the leaders of the Phoenix Project looked for alternative sites in which they could properly begin their work. Fortunately for them, just a short distance away, there was a decommissioned Air Force base located in Montauk, New York. This former base had on its grounds a functional semi-automatic ground environment radar installation. At the time, the base was pretty secluded and close to the public, not the tourist attraction it is today. So the isolation of the base would work well for the security of the project. Surrounded by water, this site could also have equipment and personnel discreetly shipped in and out. Feeling like this would be the ideal spot, the members of the project agreed to move their work over to Montauk. For a little history on this spot, it is a location that has held quite some military significance for over a century. The eastern tip of Long Island had importance going as far back as the Revolutionary War, as the young American powers at the time believed it had to be defended as it was an ideal landing spot for the invading British. Later on during World War I, the base was overhauled and a naval air station was established there. In World War II, with the threat of the German U-boats causing mayhem along the east coast, as well as, again, the risk of being an ideal invasion point, the Army upgraded the defensive equipment and structures of the base and renamed it Camp Hero in 1942. Later in the 1960s, as a response to the risk of Soviet bombers during the Cold War, an expansive radar dish measuring over 100 yards wide and weighing close to 90 tons was constructed over a blast-resistant concrete bunker to spot any potential threats coming from the sky. Officially, this base was decommissioned in 1981 and has since become a tourist spot, 
being owned by the New York State Office of Parks, Recreation, and Historic Preservation. Off the record, this defensive and remote military complex would be used as the testing ground for all sorts of radical experiments, or at least that's how the story goes. So in the later 1960s, the personnel and equipment of the secret project began to be moved over from Brookhaven to Camp Hero at Montauk. The necessary materials, machinery, and equipment were installed in the impressively large and deep underground bunkers beneath the base. Preston Nichols mentions that there was perhaps five miles of twisting corridors and testing facilities under the base, and it would take 15 minutes driving in a golf cart to go from one end to the other. So now that they had the right location and all the required equipment at their disposal, it was time for the researchers and scientists to really get to work. And it was around this time the operation was renamed to what it would be known today, the Montauk Project. As with the Philadelphia experiments that was discussed in part one, there were obviously not that many sources of information regarding what was going on at the Montauk Project. All of the information about the quest for invisibility and the teleportation of the Eldridge ship boiled down to mostly just two individuals, Carlos Allende and Alfred Bielek. Allende, who was allegedly a witness to the events in Philadelphia, did not claim to have been a part of or possessed knowledge of Montauk. But, since Alfred Bielek has the fortunate fate of being a time traveler, he does have inside knowledge on both the Philadelphia experiment and the later works at Camp Hero under the Montauk Project, and he will also play heavily into the story of Montauk by sharing his experience with the outside world. Along with Bielek, there are several other claimed witnesses, key among them the previously mentioned Preston Nichols and Stuart Swerdlow. Each of these men played different roles when it came to the Montauk Project, but by piecing together their stories, we today have the complete picture of what went down. The experiments of the Montauk Project began in earnest in the 1970s. During the time of operation that the project went on, there are numerous claims of incredible and impossible feats that were accomplished as a result of these experiments. A major point of focus for the entire project was how it could implement its technology to advance in the field of psychological warfare. This category of experiments that I have researched seem to divide into two different categories. On one side, you have projects to use their top-secret equipment to influence others' minds as a type of weapon, either by causing hysteria and panic in targeted individuals or through direct mind control. The second goal was to amplify the powers of psychics or gifted individuals to allow them to manipulate time and space with their minds, and even to create physical matter. It is to be noted that the majority of people used in these mind-altering experiments did not do so voluntarily. It is rumored that many homeless people and drifters were abducted as guinea pigs to be used in some of these projects, to test out how these mind-control and mind-shattering techniques actually worked on people. The exact number of these expendable human specimens is unknown, some sources number in the hundreds, or even thousands. But regardless, very few of these unwilling participants actually survived and ever made it out of the base. Along with the weaponized uses of the psychological aspect of the project, as I mentioned before, there were other experiments performed to try and tap in and harness the psychic abilities of select individuals. One of the main claims of the Montauk Project was its experiments in which people had their psychic abilities enhanced to the point where they could materialize objects seemingly out of thin air. Two witnesses today who claim to have taken part of these mind experiments are Preston Nichols and Stuart Swordlow. Preston Nichols is a local to the area, 
born in Long Island, New York, in 1946. For his educational background, Nichols states he has degrees in parapsychology, psychology, and electrical engineering. He would eventually go into defense electronics and was recruited to join other researchers at Brookhaven. It was here that his involvement with Montauk began. While starting at Montauk, Preston claims to have actually read the confidential final report of Project Rainbow and the Philadelphia Experiment. Preston states that research into stealth technology started right after the works were formed under the Philadelphia Experiment. Later on during the prime years of the Montauk Project, Nichols was transferred to work in the Mind Sciences Division at Camp Hero, one of his main duties being working on interfacing a person's mind to a computer. Preston Nichols, alongside other researchers such as Al Bielek, worked on expanding and improving on the psychic aspects of two important projects, the Montauk Chair and the Montauk Boys. The Montauk Boys were a core group of special young children and teenagers who were recruited, one way or another, as experimental subjects to test out their psychic abilities. As part of the program, Nichols worked at training these Montauk Boys to be Psy Warriors, deadly agents who could use their powerful mind abilities to the military's advantage. The Montauk Chair was one of the favored pieces of equipment used under the Montauk Project. This chair utilized subtle quantum fields to read a person's thoughts. Using the chair, the commanders at the base were testing the ability to imprint one person's thought into another's. As for how the chair worked, one of the psychics in the program would be strapped into the chair and would go into a trance. A group of powerful coils and specialized detectors would pick up the emanations being broadcasted from the psychic's mind. Radio receivers, designed by Nikolai Tesla himself, were able to receive these thoughts and digitize them, turning them into something resembling a computer code. Then, the powerful radar station on the base would then be used to turn this thought into reality. The thoughts of this psychic could be used to influence others within range of the radar dish, or the powerful secret machines of the project could actually amplify the powers of the psychics into actually producing matter and objects, depending on what the individual was focusing on. Overall, this chair was used for many purposes and would be a key focus on several different projects. The Montauk chair was also crucial in the work to open up a vortex for time travels. As the powers of the psychics mixed with the massive equipment on the base would become so powerful that their thoughts could begin to manipulate time itself. A porthole in time was created, which allowed researchers to travel anywhere in time and space. This phenomenon would later be described as the time tunnel. Another use for the chair was to collect and amplify the fear energy caused from the trauma and suffering of the Montauk boys, who were subjected to many terrifying ordeals. The members of this testing group were largely runaway boys, who were abducted by agents of the program and brought out to Camp Hero where they underwent excruciating periods of both physical and mental torture for days on end. All this was done in order to completely shatter their minds. Then, their minds could be reprogrammed by the researchers in charge to force the boys to follow orders. It is believed that nearly all the Montauk boys would become casualties of the program and lost forever. Many were killed during the experimental process and buried on site. Stuart Swerdlow claims to have been involved in this part of the Montauk project, and was one of the few surviving members of the poor Montauk boys. Swerdlow claims that he was taken when he was a teenager and brought to Camp Hero against his will. At first, he says he believed that he was being abducted by aliens, but soon afterwards found out that the military was using this method as a disguise to mask their actions. 
Swordlow and the other Montauk boys were selected due to their genetic backgrounds and family history that suggested they would have psionic abilities. As part of the operations, his psionic attributes were enhanced. This new talent came at a steep price, however, as Swordlow would suffer emotional instability, post-traumatic stress disorder, and other mental issues. Stuart Swordlow also says that the elite of the Montauk boys were able to travel through time and space easily after their psionic abilities had reached their full potential. However, due to the extreme danger and stress caused by these physics-defying experiences, most of the top subjects would end up dying during the experiments. Swordlow states that out of all the children and young adults used in these time-and-space-manipulated experiments, only about 1% would survive. Those that did make it out were completely brainwashed, or mentally assaulted to the point of insanity. Swordlow states that this is what makes him unique. He was able to not only survive the Montauk Boy program, but made an off-camp hero with his mental state still intact. Those in charge could not mask or alter his memories, perhaps due to his heightened psychic powers. After several attempts of brainwashing, Swordlow was let go, but threatened by the commanders of the project that if he did eventually come out to the public with what he went through and what he saw at Montauk, they would declare him insane and have him locked away in a mental institution. Just as with the events of the Philadelphia Experiment, at Camp Hero, other experiments were performed and teleportation. None of these supposed operations were as large or grand as the teleportation of something like a destroyer ship such as the Eldridge, but work was being made to hone in on how to teleport certain objects to exactly where, and also when, they needed to be. Speaking about the Eldridge, as I mentioned earlier, at one point during the Montauk project, they actually would have a direct link to what had occurred years before during the initial test performed by the Philadelphia Experiment. In the summer of 1983, after testing and utilizing the time travel aspects of the project, the researchers at Camp Hero were able to successfully connect the present with the time tunnel created by the original Rainbow Project back in 1943. During the initial testing performed to demonstrate that the Eldridge could turn invisible, the ship was drawn into hyperspace and trapped there. In this version of the story, the Eldridge did not simply teleport several hundred miles away from Philadelphia to Virginia but also traveled decades into the future before being sent back. Two men on board, Ed Cameron, who some may remember was actually the original identity of our time-traveling buddy Al Bielek from Part 1, and his brother Duncan Cameron, were both stationed on the Eldridge. Their claim is that they jumped from the deck of the Destroyer as it was suspended in hyperspace, and after a period of severe disorientation of falling through this bizarre space, they successfully arrived at Camp Hero in the year 1983. 40 years in the future for them. Here at Camp Hero, Al Bielek, a.k.a. Ed Cameron, once again met Dr. John von Neumann, the well-known physicist and mathematician who was supposedly a part of the original Philadelphia experiment and Project Rainbow. Dr. John von Neumann had previously encountered with Ed Cameron during the times of the Philadelphia experiment in the 40s. Now many state that this is absolutely false as Dr. von Neumann died in 1957, of course, there are also theories that he faked his death to continue working on top-secret projects, as he wouldn't be the only one. Nikola Tesla, who officially died in 1943, shortly before the experiments performed on the Eldridge, also apparently faked his own death, and would later actually become the chief director of operations at Camp Hero and oversaw the work being done there. Another explanation for the reason why these men were alive after their alleged date of death 
is that obviously some type of time travel was used to bring a younger version of the men into the future to aid in the Montauk project. Beyond these already incredible experiments, there were other operations done that were even more bizarre. After opening the time tunnel in the underground bunker, the project was soon contacted by alien extraterrestrials. After establishing the scope of the project to the aliens, the humans were gifted with advanced technologies that allowed the researchers to push the envelope of the work being done at Montauk beyond anything they had previously envisioned. The alien technology also helped solidify the time tunnel being used by the staff at Camp Hero, and allowed them further access to hyperspace. Unfortunately, there are rumors that not all the alien life forms we made contact with through the time tunnel were friendly, and that will be discussed in a moment. If the aliens weren't enough, there are also claims that the facilities and personnel of the Montauk Project were used to put together the moon landing hoax. Although this kind of seems odd to me that, supposedly at this point, humans could travel in time, teleport objects, materialize mass out of absolutely nothing, and have regular back-and-forth contact and trade with aliens, but yet we couldn't land men on the moon. Regardless, that's still a theory. Also, the bioengineering division of the Montauk Project also had their own experiments, creating hybrid and mutant creatures. Rumors even exist that these scientists created the beast that would later become known as the Jersey Devil, at which point this beast somehow escaped Montauk and decided to hop on over to New Jersey. Following this theory, I wouldn't be surprised if the same scientists somehow came up with the chupacabra creature as well. Many of these bioengineered experiments were aided with the use of the enhanced psychic abilities of some of the base, along with the newly acquired alien technology. As for the aftermath of these experiments, of course all good things must come to an end, and such is the fate too with the Montauk Project. There are varying accounts on what exactly was the ultimate fate of the experiments and those conducting them. It could be that the military project eventually just ran out of funding, as it was operating entirely in secret and so couldn't get money from Congress or by any legal means. It's also possible that the experiments just reached their limit with the technology at the time, and so without wasting any more resources, the information was stored away, and the base was shut down. The most colorful version of the end of the project is probably the most interesting, though, and it describes in which an alien monster traveled through the established time tunnel into the undergrounds of the base and caused havoc. This beast would run rampant and destroyed irreplaceable equipment, killed test subjects, and even gobbled up several top researchers. As a last-ditch effort, the time tunnel was shut down permanently, and the creature eventually destroyed within the bunker. Al Bielik has stated that much of the successful experiments performed at Montauk were due to the alien technology given to the researchers. However, he also said that the humans did not actually understand the technology or the theory behind it. We could simply operate the devices and machines given to us. If this was true, it could be that once this alien technology was destroyed by the monster beast, we had no way of replicating them at the time, and the experiments eventually grinded to a halt. So, either after the experiments were completed, the money ran out, or due to the destruction caused by the alien monster, the operations at Camp Hero were shut down. As to the researchers, staff, and experimental subjects, all were either brainwashed, executed, or threatened into absolute secrecy. Today, there are only a few survivors who are willing to tell their tale and reveal the secrets of what really happened during the Montauk Project. Nearly all the information available today about the project comes from just a few individuals, similar to the Philadelphia Experiment. Obviously, there is a lot of doubt and skepticism on whether any of this is real or if it's all fiction. With such fantastic claims, 
It is hard to readily believe such things when there are only a few accounts detailing the project. Again, there is no physical evidence or leaked information from government or military sources to confirm any of this. It's just all based on the words of a few men. Al Bielik, one of the few main sources of information, says that there are more people out there who he has talked to that worked on the Montauk Project as well, but for various reasons do not want to come forward with their side of the story. Some of these people are disturbed at the experiments they had to perform and would wish to forget. Others fear for their safety that if their name gets out, they might be targeted or labeled as a lunatic. In a number of documentaries and interviews about the project, there are a few people who have adopted an alias when they reveal their information so that their true identities can remain a secret. But once again, it is hard to believe their information at face value. Al Bielik also admits that a number of the so-called sources and witnesses that have told their stories over the years about the Montauk Project, he says that a number of them are spreading disinformation and are only in it for attention and monetary gains. So, with such few sources of information about the project, some of which contradict each other, along with the fact that some witnesses are calling others liars, it makes it even harder to try to determine what the real story is. Al Bielik has come out himself and stated that it is healthy to be skeptical about the Montauk Project, and all that went down in its entirety, as he is well aware of how bizarre it all sounds. He encourages others to do their own research on the matter and come up with their own conclusions. However, though Al admits it is right to be skeptical and wants others to search for their own answers, he is also confident that many people will finally come around to the truth, or his version of the truth at least. With such claims as teleportation, time travel, radar mind control, and sonic abilities, it is hard to believe much about the Montauk Project and the Philadelphia Experiments at face value. All forms of military and government statements have made it clear that nothing anything close to these experiments have ever been done, let alone in Montauk in the 70s and 80s or back in Philadelphia in the 40s. And the official stance seems to be to just regard the whole thing as a simple hoax that has persisted through the years. With that said, there are plenty of other people who do believe these men who say that something extraordinary occurred, both at Camp Hero and earlier at Philadelphia. Honestly, a lot more people than I was expecting. During my time researching these two cases, I have seen many supportive comments online of people who feel that this is the truth. Ranging from the documentaries posted on YouTube to other conspiracy message boards around the web, there are plenty who either believe in Montauk or declare their own statements backing up the claims insisting the reality of these projects. So for now, I will wrap up this discussion and give my final thoughts. The Montauk Project and its predecessor, Project Rainbow, and the Philadelphia Experiment are very fascinating and exciting stories of secret military programs. It combines a number of interests of mine, including conspiracies, strange science fields like time travel, and it even has some alien involvement. So it's no surprise that everything involved with the Montauk Project has become one of my new favorite subjects to read up on, regardless of its unrealistic claims. In much of my spare time over the past two weeks, I have been either reading testimonies of those who say they are involved, watching videos and documentaries online, as well as getting into discussions with others who are either keen on the subject or believe in its existence, and it has been very enjoyable to read and learn about the story behind these experiments. With that said, even as I dove into anything I could find and read on these subjects, the entire time the logical side of me was well aware that the most likely explanation is that none of this actually happened and the majority of information about these secret experiments and projects are either fiction created by those seeking to make a name for themselves, or to spread a story that you're passionate about. Or perhaps they had some type of mental episode or trauma 
that cause confusing or false memories to the point where they actually truly believe they were a test subject or a high-level researcher. While the truth may be that there never was any experiments at all in either Philadelphia or Montauk, honestly the truth is a lot more boring than teleportation, time traveling, and secret military conspiracies. So whether there is some legitimacy to these projects, or if the whole thing is pure imagination, I hope at least that the story of the Montauk Project has been as entertaining for you listeners as it was for me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Strange Matters Podcast. If you have your own thoughts or theories on the Montauk Project, or you have feedback or suggestions for future episodes, please feel free to write to us at our email, strangematterspodcast at gmail.com. You can also comment or message us through our social media accounts, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Strange Matters Podcast is a member of the Dark Myths Collective, which has great podcasts in a wide variety of genres. If you are in the search for other interesting podcasts to listen to, check out the entire lineup of shows at darkmyths.org. This month's featured Dark Myths show is the Bohemican podcast, which is a look into the history, culture, traditions, and people of the Czech Republic. So if you are a history buff, definitely give the Bohemican podcast a listen. Finally, we ask that if you're listening to Strange Matters through iTunes, please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It means a lot to us to be able to read your feedback, and it also helps promote the show so we can always reach new listeners. So until the next episode of the Strange Matters podcast, take care, everybody.